everyone. I'm Bailey. I'm Drew. And I'm Lacey. And, and we're, we're sarcastic, sarcastic, so let's get sinister. Always the one that starts because you're the, the leader. Jump right in. <laughs> you're the leader. All right. Well then, how's everyone doing today? Just kidding. We're mass recording. Ha ha. <laughs> it's still the day before my. So it's still the new day challenge. <laughs> figure out the order that we record. <laughs> <laughs> so my This episode is about the. DuPont de Ligonnes. DuPont de Ligonnes. Oh God, is it French? It. Um, I understand like true French. Um, yeah, I looked up pronunciations. That's good. I did. We're we're gonna take the time to just preemptively apologize to our French listeners. We're so sorry. Um, I have pronunciations. But are you gonna like have the accent and do it right? No. I can I can laugh in French. So well, I can yeah. Some you some of the pronunciations maybe <laughs> like had it so that I would have an accent. Yeah. But I was like, I don't want to insult anybody by doing some a fake French sounds, accent. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna just do what I can. Okay. So. So this case takes place in 2011. So it was right. kind of recent. Did um, this place take place in France? Yes. Nice. Yes. So, you, you feel, feel good, good about, about that? that? <laughs> Not an echo. That was the sisters being so insane with their lacy locking. It's creepy. Yeah. On it's April just us, on April twenty first, twenty eleven. On on yes, spelled like Agnes, okay. but in okay. France. I believe it is pronounced Onyes. That's pretty good. Dupont de Ligones, her four children, and the two family dogs were found buried in their garden in Nantes, Loire, Atlantique, France. Wait, the dogs died? That's rude. Yes. No, this episode's canceled. The patriarch of the Dupont de Ligones. Family, are you ready for the patriarch's name? Oh, so ready. Count Javier Pierre Marie Duponte Legones. That was very nice. Well done. Thank you. Princess of Genovia. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that, and I'm gonna name the child a million middle names. Um, yes. Also, I'm, I'm just gonna count in there. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Countess Earl. It's gonna be great. No, that's a power move right there. Yeah, just give them that title. So, I'm going to start, because we got hung up on his name being so fantastical. Can you repeat it again for me? Yeah, the patriarch of the Dupont de Legones family, Count Javier Pierre-Marie Dupont de Legones, had disappeared around the same time and has never been found. Oh. What exactly happened to the family is still undetermined, but Javier has an international arrest warrant and is considered the prime suspect in the murders. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I like the way you 
snared our attention early on. I also um, enjoy Javier. Are you doing to sneeze? I'm going to sneeze, it, like, anywhere in the next yes, 5 to 27 seconds. Okay. Just throw your hand so, up and I'll stop. Okay. Wait? Okay. No, because... The Dupont de la Gomez family was an old aristocratic family, originally from um, Anone, which is the southeast region of France. Mm -hmm. They have ties to the poet Alphonse de Lemarty and okay. Charles Dupont de Legones, the Bishop of Rodez. So, I know you probably don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. Does the English teacher know the poet? She does not. Okay. So, how do you spell the poet's name? A-L but just to like he, he has a count. That dude? Possibly. Um, I don't know him. <laughs> well, I mean like the name. Oh, I mean, maybe. Is his name Alphonse? Yeah, yeah. that's him. Um, but because he has, he's got Count in front of his name, so that's kind of like, he's special. You know? Mm, sure. So, Javier Pierre Mori Dupont de Lagones. He was also a minister for Europe and Foreign Affairs of France. Yeah, okay. Was born January 9th, 1961, in Versailles. He was, slash, is the son of Bernard... Sorry. See, this is the thing. It wants me to pronounce it in France. So... French. French. In English, I believe you'd say his name was Bernard Hubert. Mm -hmm. But they translated that to Bernard Hubert mm -hmm. Dupont de Legones. Which sounds amazing. Yeah. So he was the son of Bernard Hubert. Bernard Hubert. And... Um, Genevieve Therese Metri. Yeah. Bernard, I'm just going to call him Bernard, no, was an engineer who died January 20th of 2011. So a few months before they found all those bodies. Mm -hmm. Oh, this was so, you know, with the names, I was like, oh, we're back in like the 1800s. Yeah, I forgot it was like, uh, 2011. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think because he's also a count. Yeah. You're like, oh, this yes. is back when there were kings and queens. Ugh, but that's still that's, recent. I was going to say, there are those. <laughs> Following his father's death, Javier gained the title of count, as well as inheriting a twenty two rifle. That That's it? I mean, he probably inherited a bunch more, but that was that's just like... He wasn't known as Count. That's the key notes that he got around. Yeah, he wasn't known as Count until January of 2011. God. And he and it's significant. I mean, pay, he, he inherited a 22 rifle. Keep that in mind. Wait, I have a feeling that's going to come back. Yeah. Little was known about Javier's career. He is described as a salesman. He created many businesses, but they were mostly, but they had mostly failed. So one of these businesses, is called Cellref, um, S-E-L-R-E-F, had a secretive and ambiguously defined purpose. The company's 2006 accounts only show the bare minimum of information. Javier was the manager and hired six salespeople in 2003, but let them go shortly afterwards. So... Scam? Yeah. That's like that's kind of like how his bis all the businesses he creates yeah seem like they're fronts or, or something, something. yeah mm -hmm. on yes ho 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 did ho, ho. it's ho well, no it's pronounced it's spelled ho danger 
but I couldn't find how you pronounce that. How you would pronounce that? Danger. Well, who's in danger? E R. You gotta keep your hose out of danger, bro. E R is pronounced differently in um France. I believe French. God, Hody. In France, they pronounce it differently. Okay. Or you could just say in French. In French, whatever. So on yes, Hodinger. Caller Aggie was born on November 9th, 1962. So she was um, a little over a year, well, almost two years younger than him. In Nuyi Ser Sin, in the suburbs of Paris. Okay. It was, that's like the town's name. She was a teaching assistant at Blanche de Castile. Catholic school in Nantes. She was described as being very religious, kind, but strict with her children. Mm. Javier and Agnes had met in the early 1980s when Javier would have been 20 and Agnes was 17. They broke up when Javier decided he'd rather travel than be tied down. <laughs> A year later, Javier returned to Versailles and found that Agnes was pregnant with another man's child. Oh, it's almost they like broke he left it's almost like he left her and she moved on. Well, yeah. I mean, he wasn't upset about it. He just came back and was like, hey, what's up? And she was like, mm, pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, pregnant and single. Javier decided to marry Agnes and adopt her child. Okay. They married in 1992. Hey. And had three more children. Was that an important year for you? Yeah. It was, like, pretty special to me. Mm-hmm. You don't even remember it. It wasn't the year I was born, so that's weird. Arthur Nicholas was the eldest, being born the seventh. I like the way other countries do dates. They do the date. Small, large, larger. So he was born the 7th of July in 1990. He was not Javier's biological son. At the age of 20, Arthur completed something like a degree. It's called a baccalaureate. So kind of like a bachelorette. But I think it's like a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a national, but defined, it's a national academic qualification to signify that a student has completed their secondary education by meeting all the requirements. So it kind of sounds like a high school diploma. Secondary. No, I think secondary for them is like university. College. Yeah. Well, then it's, okay, it's a bachelor's degree. Just especially because wasn't he in his 20s? It's known as a BAC, B-A-K, B-A-C. In France, and Arthur earned his in science, industrial technology, and sustainable science, industrial technology, and sustainable development. He was studying for an IT degree at a private college located an hour's drive from Nantes, while also working as a waiter at a pizzeria in Nantes. It's the same as a bachelor's degree from college. Okay. He was 20 years old at the time of his death, so he... He got his bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Then I guess he went on to get an. He was working towards getting another degree in IT at a private college that was located an hour away from where his family lived. But then he also had a waiter job in the town that his family lived, so he would commute. Yeah. To work. Gotcha. Sounds crazy to me. Thomas was the second born. He was born on the twenty eighth of August in nineteen ninety two in the south of France. So he um. 
is Javier's first son, mm-hmm. first child. They Wait, were he also was born in ninety two too. Yes. No, no, no. The Arthur was born in nineteen ninety. Oh. They got married in ninety two. Oh, okay. So I don't know when they got married, but August is the eighth month of the year. It's so a little hanky panky before the math. Yes, the math isn't exactly out. Anyway, so he also earned a bachelor's in literature when he was seventeen. But yeah, so he earned his when he was seventeen. Maybe he was super smart. He was. He's described. He was described as being passionate about music and cinema, and is remembered as being very discreet. His ex-girlfriend, Pauline, described him as lighthearted, cheerful, and happy. She said he was a really nice guy who always listened to what you had to say. Very close to his brothers, sister, mother, and father. He was 18 at the time of his death. Next came Anne on the 2nd of August, 1994. So close. That's Adam's birthday. They keep having, like... You were smiling at Bailey, waiting for the excitement. She likes me. That's Adam's birthday. Also in the South of France. Well, I figured you would know Adam's birthday rather than her. You don't know that? Okay. You don't know her life. She was in 11th grade following a science curriculum. She was considerate, approachable, and religious, like her mother. She spent her time studying and modeling for mail-order catalogs. She was six... What? What part did you understand? Mail-order... Yeah, like, so... Magazines. Oh, okay. I thought you meant, like, male, like... Oh, no, no, like... I was like, I'm sorry. Okay, what else? Can I tell you? She wasn't modeling for, like, Playboy. She was, like, just doing, like, Kohl's or... Oh, okay. Those kind of catalogs. Okay. Sears. Got it. She was 16 at the time of her death. Finally, the last was Benoit. Oh, I like that name. He was born on the 29th of May in 1997. Mm, he, was a, he, he was born in 97. He was born in May. He was. Think about that. See, you know her birthday. Her brother's birthday. Well, her birthday. Well, I two days her, ago. <laughs> I was going to say, her brother's birthday is close to my birthday, but my brother's birthday is close to her birthday, mm-hmm. so there's no excuse for you not knowing Adam's birthday. I knew Adam's birthday. I was just watching you smile at your sister. Thank okay. you. He was an altar server, which is like an altar boy, at their church. He enjoyed playing the drums, and he was 13 at the time of his death. Aww. Um, the family lived in a small home in the western suburbs of the city Nantes. Nantes is... I pictured them in, like, a mansion because he was a count. Immediately put them in, like, I feel like they probably heard something good. Um, but they live in a small home. Um, it's Nantes is located 31 miles from the Atlantic coast and 210 miles southwest of Paris. Okay. It's the sixth largest city in France. Cool. What's the first? Probably Paris, I think. <laughs> so, some strange occurrences started back in July of 2010. Yeah. Javier sent emails to friends writing that his family might have quote, accidents one day that he might be blamed for. He wrote, um, quote, I hope that even after a police investigation, my parents, brothers, and sisters will never be led to believe that I intentionally caused these accidents, even if the evidence is strong. 
So, so here's the thing. To write he, people be like, hey, if my family all dies, definitely not me. No, 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 yeah. no. He went to a fortune to- teller. They told him, hey, something's gonna happen to your family, but you're gonna live. And he was like, fuck, I gotta warn people that <laughs> yeah. it's not me. Yeah, just in case, guys. Um, just to remind you, Javier's family died. That's not true. Javier's father died of a heart attack on January 20th, and that's when Javier found out that his father had no money and was actually living in poverty. Oh. So, he thought he was going to be getting more when that happened. Yeah, so he did birthday. really just inherit the title of count and, and a gun. Yeah. So then we, so that was back in July of 2010, and then I was just reminding you that his dad died in January of 2011. So then February 2nd of 2011, Javier got his firearms license, which is good to have if you inherited a gun. Yeah, might as well. On the 12th of March the same year, Javier purchased rifle bullets and registered at a shooting range to the north of Noms. He visited the range four times between the 26th of March and the 1st of April. So that was a week, four times in a week. He was off of work that week and had time to kill. Yeah. I mean, the work that he did, quote-unquote. It's stressful. So, as I mentioned briefly before, Agnes and her four children were found buried underneath the porch of their boarded-up house. All five of them had been drugged and shot twice in the head. The two family dogs were found buried with the family. The exact timeline is not clear since the family hadn't been discovered until several weeks after their murders. Based on witness accounts, I have a a rough estimate of the timeline here constructed for you. Okay. So, 1st of April. It was a Friday. There's the picture for you. Arthur left his private school, but his... So, Arthur left his private school, but his boss reported being surprised that he didn't see him. Because on the 1st of the month... Arthur would always come and pick up his monthly wages, but Arthur never went to the pizzeria that day. Javier was also seen buying cement, a shovel, and a hoe. It's the gardening tool. Yeah. Side note, my favorite hoe joke is from The Cat in the Hat with, uh, who is that, Mike Myers? Yeah. And he has, like, the hoe, the gardening tool, and he's like, dirty hoe! And he, like, throws it, and he's like, I'm sorry, baby, I didn't mean that. So fun. Okay. <laughs> I should I show you it later? Do you know? Well, I I saw the thing where the, the wife of Doctor Seuss was so appalled by that movie that she like refused to let anybody else make a movie about her her husband's books. Yeah, I don't think that was his intention. Yeah, they definitely made it more. Like, yeah, a I I remember being very disappointed when I watched the movie and like this is not what I expected. So the next day on the second of April, Saturday, that usually follows a Friday. Usually. Javier bought four 10-kilogram or 22-pound bags of lime from different shops around the city. For the record, I'm tired of saying the the city's name, Nantes, because it's spelled N-A-N-T-E-S, but I've been told that that's pronounced Nantes, and I don't like saying that, so I'm just going to call it the city. All right. Sunday, the 3rd of April, a neighbor, the Fabrice, you're doing a great job. I just want you to know. Thank you. Sees Agnes. Sorry, Agnes. 
Shortly afterwards, he sees Javier, quote, putting large bags into his car. Javier and Agnes take three of their children, everyone but Thomas. Thomas is the second born, first biological of Javier. Where's Thomas? To see a movie, then to a restaurant. At 10.37 p.m., Javier called his sister Christine and left a voicemail. Next day, Monday, April 4th, Anne and, ben Anne and Benoit do not go to school due to an illness. Their friends cannot reach them. Javier spoke to Christine on the telephone for 20 to 30 minutes, and Christine said everything seemed normal. Javier and Thomas went to a high-end restaurant at 9 p.m. Their bill was roughly, or no, actually, it was 72 pound, pounds? How do you say cents? Mm -hmm. 72.55 pounds. <laughs> Which is like, just round it up. Today would be 98.41 pounds. I know the 2011. Are we in France? Yeah, so it would be France. Pounds is not pounds is English. The France France is euros. You don't know where they went to French though. They went to England. It's not out. It's like a ferry. Yeah, it's not that far. No, you can't take a ferry. It's the English Channel. You can take a boat. Roughly translates to. $120 today. Oh my god. The waiters remember. In euros or, or in pounds? American dollar bills. Can you settle down? No. The you're waiter insulting countries. I, oh my god. Yeah, but it's France. You've been doing so good for them. You are. You are doing a great job. The waiters remembered that the father and son didn't really talk to each other throughout the meal, and by the end of their meal, Thomas was feeling unwell. Mm. Hmm. Investigators believe it's that Javier poison. murdered his wife, Arthur, Anne, and Benoit on the night of the 3rd into the 4th. So when they went out, when Javier and Thomas went out to eat, the rest of the family were, was already dead. Okay. That would explain why the two kids didn't go to school. Yeah. And do, they, could, do they think he somehow hid this from Thomas? Or Thomas was like, hey, Dad, I know you killed the family. Like, I'm hungry for dinner. Can you wait? I'm hungry. <laughs> Maybe, or maybe Thomas. Yeah, I like one like, last boy. That was hungry. Yeah, that was <laughs> that, that was hungry. That made me hungry. It's a lot of work. You can okay. Tuesday, the fifth of April, a bailiff comes to the house to collect a debt, but no one answers the door. So they are they're like debt collectors. Sure, like a constable or something. Okay. Where you like owe money and, and then they would send people to come and collect it. I believe you. You don't have to convince me. I don't know why you don't believe me. Stop moving So the debt today and in American dollars would be rough, a little under $33,000. Is that who came last? Like, you have that $33,000. You owe that money, bitch. Was it from pounds or euros? Oh, okay, buddy, relax. Despite what. So everything, my research had everything in pounds, so I'm assuming somebody else translated that yeah. from francs to, so, or maybe yeah. euros. Listeners, translate it how you like best. Just know that these are a lot general of, money. It was a, a lot of money. Lots of dollars. More than you would probably have this hanging out of here. Despite, and it, I mean, it shows his dad gave him no money. And his dad was living in poverty. Yeah. And now he's owing great sums of dollars. The only one thing to do that. 
Despite what investigators stated, neighbors say that they saw Agnes in front of her house on the 5th of April around noon. So the investigators just not trust all the neighbors. Prosecutors acknowledged that their account was was more of an estimation, not an exact date of death. So they estimated that she was murdered on the night of the 3rd into the 4th. But, like, if people... So then the neighbors were like, but we saw her on the 5th. And they were like, look, we're just guessing. It was sometime over here. A friend of Thomas's confirmed that Thomas spent the afternoon with him at his house on the 5th. Thomas had planned to spend the night with his friend, but was called away by Javier. Javier called Thomas and asked him to come home because Agnes had been involved in a cycling accident. Mm -hmm. Thomas took a train home at 10 p.m. So your little thought that Thomas was like, I know you just killed mom and the kids. Mm -hmm. If dad is saying your mom got in an accident, Thomas probably was would have been like, but you killed her. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he knew. Dad. <laughs> Did you forget? <laughs> then we went for dinner, remember? It was weird. Really awkward. <laughs> Pauline, Thomas's ex-girlfriend, remember her? Classmate. Okay. Pauline, Thomas's ex-girlfriend and classmate, said that she had spoken to him on Facebook on April 5th while he was at his friend's house. Okay. So there's two people who are like, Thomas was alive on the 5th. For sure. And that he, but she's saying that he seemed odd in the way that he was talking to her, writing, because they were on Facebook. Especially. Or was it him? Well. She was at the friend. She said that they were, it was like normal. And then when he started talking about his father. Okay. So here's like the scenario. He was like. Hey, how you doing? And then he was like, sorry, period. My dad called me home because my mother was in a cycling accident. GTG. And she was like, that's fucking weird. Okay, that doesn't clear up anything. For us. <laughs> she, it was we were having a normal conversation. And then when she, when Thomas started talking about her, his dad and the cycling yeah, accident, it got odd. Okay, it didn't get formal. It just became odd. Like, okay. so like he's talking me. about someone else besides. So me. maybe maybe Thomas did know, and he was like, wink, wink. It's time for us to go now. Mm-hmm. You got to hang out with your BFF. You got to talk to your girlfriend, but mom's been in a cycling accident. Wink. Code word. So now it's time to come home. And Thomas was like, okay. Mom's been in a cycling accident. Time to go. Trying to, I don't know. We can move on. Okay. I like how you went so, like, rigid with well, your Well, I sat up my, straight. In, in my imagination, he stood up and was like, my mom's been in an accident. Just not to go. Monotone. Yeah, I don't know. He was being weird. Were you there? Yes, it was clean. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Furthermore, that day, she had noticed that he seemed lonely and that had, and had told her that he would skip classes on Wednesday to come to a music rehearsal, but he did not turn up at the, mu- the rehearsal, which was not like him. So I think that this is kind of leading us to believe that Thomas knew that his parent, his family was dead. Prosecutors believe that Javier murdered Thomas that night, the 5th of April. Thomas was Javier's firstborn and his first son, which might have been why he was the last one to go. Maybe he even, um... Considered not doing it? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. maybe he had actually had Thomas help him. 
Or it was like there was an accident, you have to help me, you don't want me to go to jail, right? And like had his help yeah. burying the bodies or something. And then he was like, all right, I don't need his physical labor anymore. The 6th of April, the next day, Thomas's friend tried to call him to check in, but there was no answer. The friend received a couple texts from Thomas's phone claiming that Thomas was now ill. Arthur's girlfriend, Arthur's the oldest boy, mm-hmm. was concerned that she hadn't heard from him, so she went to check on him. She knocked on the door, noting that there was a light on on the first floor, but the family dogs did not bark. Oh, I about the dogs. Yeah, they were two Labradors. Oh. That seems, like, unnecessary. Like, I know killing your whole family is unnecessary, too. I think you'd rather just want them to starve in a house by themselves. Well, you don't want to Just take them to the shelter. Let them go. And get hit by a car. I think... Shoot them. I Well, I think that his thing was clean slate. Kill Mm -hmm. them all. And then he spent 20 days fleeing before they found the bodies. Yeah. On the 7th of April, Thomas's friend received another text claiming that Thomas's phone was dying and Javier was looking for a charger for him. Javier was seen loading many large bags into his car from the house. A neighbor claimed that they had spoken to Agnes that day. On They said that they saw Agnes walking her dog when she stopped to have a chat with that neighbor. However, later that neighbor spoke to reporters re- requesting to remain anonymous and said that they were almost convinced they saw her on this night. So the neighbors are the ones who were like, "We saw her. Like, what are you like? What are you talking about? She wasn't dead for four days. We saw her." So the timeline is muddy in that sense. Yeah. Because witness statements are witness statements. Yeah, yeah. So then Friday, the eighth of April, Javier went online for the fir- for the last time from the IP address of the family home. He sent an email to Christine's husband, checking in. During this week, neighbors heard the family dogs howling for two consecutive nights, then never heard them again. So that that week that we just went through, mm-hmm. they heard the dogs howling for two nights, and then that was just it. So I think the dogs might have been the last ones to go, because I feel like they were howling because they were sad. So then... Um, we're going to jump. So I did like a daily thing there. Now we're going to jump to the 11th of April. Anne and Benoit's school received a letter from Javier withdrawing the children because the family was moving to Australia due to urgent professional changes. Mm. The Catholic school where Agnes worked, she was a teacher's assistant, also received a resignation letter, apparently signed by Agnes, stating the same reason for leaving. The headmaster was unable to reach her by telephone to follow up. At around 2 p.m. on the 11th, a neighbor named Estelle noticed the house was closed up. Their house was usually very lively and busy, but she felt something was wrong because the shutters were closed. Earlier I said it was boarded up. I think that's what they meant. It was the just shutters were closed, which Estelle said never happened. The shutters were always open. And she found a note on the mailbox reading, please return all correspondence to sender. Thank you. Mm. A typed, unsigned letter dated the 11th of April was sent to Javier's immediate family. In this letter, Javier explains that, explained that after having worked co- covertly for the U.S. drug... De- I'm going to start over. I'd like you to pay attention because this is where things get exciting. Hmm. <laughs> it's a typed, 
unsigned letter dated April 11th was sent to Javier's immediate family. In this letter, Javier explains that after having worked covertly for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, <laughs> sorry, administration, the DEA, the entire family has had to relocate to the U.S. as part of a federal witness protection program and that no one will be able to contact them for a few years. Oh, that's a fun story. He advised his relatives to circulate reports on social media that the family had, in fact, moved to Australia. And there is no proof that this letter was written by Javier, just for a side note. But, so, he told the schools that they were going to Australia, but now he's telling family that he's joining the Witness Protection Agency for work from working covertly for the U.S. DEA. Um, does the DEA work overseas? Maybe. Probably not. I feel like jurisdiction. Yeah. Okay. So then... It sounds like he, he wanted people to think a certain way well, about himself, like super spy. C- CIA is, like, too, like... profile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one would, like, question the DEA. Mm. Javier, we know, stayed in a hotel premier classe in Blagnac, near Toulouse. In southern France. I like the way your voice gets deep when you say Yeah, <laughs> French I'm hoping that if I muddle it, <laughs> no one will be able to tell that I'm not doing well. Yeah. On Wait, April 11th go. into the 12th. Okay? Mm-hmm. You know this because he paid for his stay with a credit card. Okay. He then spent the night of the 12th into the 13th at the Auberg de Casog. In Le Ponte, in Vaucluse. Now she's she's getting quieter. (laughs) In southeastern France, under the false name of Mr. Laurent Javier, also using his credit card. So he's moving around, trying to stay, like, on his feet, changing his name, but using his credit card. So... When you don't have superpowers, <laughs> <laughs> when you don't—he's not a good cash. one. <laughs> when you don't have cash, you know. Yeah, an image of Javier carrying a large bag was found. It's speculated that that may have been a rifle bag. What is with these large bags that he has? He had a lot of stuff to pack up. I mean, he was moving a lot of cement and lime and stuff, though. So. That too. Wouldn't that be buried with his family? Yeah, empty bags. Oh, okay. I don't know. This is low. Okay, so these this area that he is now, we he's been using his credit card, so we know he's been there. Um, was located nearly eleven hours away from his house. Uh-huh. So, yeah, their home was located in the northwest area of France, while this area that he's been bopping around is southeastern coast. Well, that's the. Party pretty sad. Mm-hmm. On April 13th, that neighbor, Estelle, who noticed the shutters had been shut the entire time, got so concerned, she called the police. Because of the shutters? Yeah, she was like, she hasn't seen, seen anybody, anybody for no. over a week. Four kids, two dogs, a lot of activity in the house. Police did a welfare check. The front door was locked in addition to the shutters being closed. A locksmith, so they called a locksmith who opened the door. Inside, there was nothing out of place. Some beds were missing sheets, and um, closet doors were left open, but nothing to indicate foul play. Police believed that the family had police at the time believed the family had left voluntarily. Mm. Estelle disagreed. 
she was like, all the family cars are still there, except for Javier's. Mm. And she knew that the family of six, plus their dogs, wouldn't, and, I mean, plus all their luggage and stuff, would not fit in Javier's car. So when they were like, maybe they went on vacation, she was like, no, they fucking didn't. Um, that, the evening of April 13th, so that was the daytime, this is the evening, Javier was staying in another hotel. Tell us, what, what one? I don't know which one, but you're not aware? Yes. Huh. <laughs> France. At a hotel in La Seine-sur-Mer in Var, southeastern France. Lovely. Good job. He lived in this town in the 80s. Good so great. While he was there, you know what he did? Met up with his little girlfriend. Hey! Oh, he contacted yes. a former girlfriend, oh. but they did not meet up. Uh, just phone sex. Maybe. And she later told the police that she was like, hey, he called me. Um, so then the next day, April 14th, Javier withdrew 30 euros from an ATM, probably because he was like, I can't keep using my credit card. Um, in Also, Roque, I appreciate you saying euros now. You're welcome. Thank you. It actually says it's Ah. Burn Sor Organs in Var. And stayed in another hotel in that town. So he's been in four fucking hotels in four days. Live the highlight. Why are you using the Italian like hand gestures? Because I'm Italian. I feel like he's like, he's starting to feel like one of those people who like, I don't remember what diagnosis it is, but like they don't actually care about anybody. They just like pretend like they do. Psychopath? Yeah. Maybe. And now he's like shed his family. And he's like, oh, I can go out and have some fun for the first time in 20 years. They don't have empathy. Or like they have I trouble. think a sociopath has trouble in social situations. I can't ever Psychopath, remember. Psychopath. Which is like a serial killer. Continue. I'll get the definitions. In 2011, 30 euros would have been roughly $43.5 today in the U.S. So, not a lot of money yeah. to withdraw from an First ATM. First of all, you said 30000 No. Although you can't do that from an ATM. So um, silly. Okay, so also, I know that you've been hearing me say VAR. Mm-hmm. It's like a department in southeast. That's what it's called. It's department in southeastern France. I think it's like a county okay. or a region, maybe. Okay. But it's so Var is two thousand three hundred and six square miles in size and has a lot of cities in it. So I that's why I think it's like a county or a region. La Seine sur Mer and Rockburn sur Argens are roughly an hour away from each other. So this is where his image was captured on a security camera. So with the bag. Um Javier checked out of the hotel in the R1. The following day, leaving his car behind, he crossed the parking lot carrying the large bag again. Security footage saw that. So one of the articles I read described Rookburn Sorarians as having a surrounding wilderness containing caves and abandoned mines. And police speculate that he might have killed himself in one of these areas. Oh. The area also has trains and ships that might have allowed him to unobtrusively make a getaway. This was the last anyone has ever seen of him. I forgot that he's been missing the whole time. Yeah. That security footage of him walking across a parking lot with the possibly rifle bag. I was going to say, if he went and killed himself somewhere, they probably would have found him, but not necessarily if there's caves and mines and mm-hmm. stuff. So, a letter dated 
the April 11th, was received by close relatives. It was a, this was that letter, by the way. It was sent apparently by, allegedly, by Javier. Um, it's super long and super informal and kind of rambling. I have it here if you'd like me to read it. Yeah. In French? No. Okay. Thank goodness it's been translated or maybe he just wrote it in English. <laughs> he he was working for a U.S. agency. Yeah. That we probably knew English. Uh, oh my God. It's so long. Right. We're going to read it all. If you want to skim and give us a highlight, I'll, well. I'll read it just because it's long, but it's like, I, you'll, it's, go ahead. What do you have? So... A psychopath um, is, like, they have no empathy. They have difficulty relating to others. That's why they're so good at killing. They don't have guilt, remorse, or empathy. Mm -hmm. Sociopath. Sociopath has a lack of remorse, but can feel some emotions Mm -hmm. and can form attachments to certain people. Okay, because I know that Sherlock Holmes... Was described as a sociopath. Yeah. Mm. So, like, certain emotions can form specific attachments and can feel like. Like, to. Yeah. But the psychopath doesn't feel like. He's a serial killer. Okay. Not, I mean, no, 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 no. Not necessarily. Not all psychopaths are serial killers. I'll call you a serial killer if you're a psychopath. I mean, like. Thank you for listening, by the way. Some psychopaths, like, can, like, function, like, hyper things And, like, yeah, like, they're CEOs and stuff, but they're just, like, they have no remorse and they are just. Yeah, that's why they're so good. Yeah. So it feels like a CEO for quality. Yeah. All right. So here's that letter. Hi, everyone. Oh, Huge it's, surprise. Hold on. This letter is to his family? Yes. Mm. Okay. Close relatives. Hi, everyone. Huge surprise. We have to leave urgently for the U.S. due to a very particular set of circumstances that we will explain below. You're receiving this letter by conventional post because for the next few years, we can't communicate any other way. No emails, no texts, no phone calls. For safety reasons. When you read this letter, we will no longer be in France and won't be able to return for an as-yet-undetermined period of time. A few years. You must be wondering what's going on. Here's the story. At least as much as we're allowed to tell you. This letter is the only correspondence we were allowed to write, which might be good news for some of you. And it has been checked before being sent to you. When we started our company in Miami in 2003... We are put into contact through the person who helped us to start the company with the DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration, a sort of American drug squad with agents on the ground in several countries who were, who were looking for a French national to infiltrate the French nightclub scene to obtain information about drug trafficking and money laundering networks without drawing attention to themselves. Yes, you're how, thinking... About- how old was he? Oh, sorry. Readjusting. How old was he? Yeah. Probably like 1960 or something. Um, okay, so it's 2011. He's a full-ass adult. And he's infiltrating the nightclubs without being... Yeah, they needed him because he's super cool. Oh, okay. I mean... Because I don't get sketched out when, like, a six-year-old is... He's not six. You want some drugs, kids? Uh, he was 50. You know where I can find the drugs? He was... <laughs> <laughs> you guys got any marijuana? You want to get groovy? Um, yeah, he was exactly 50 okay. at the time of the deaths. Oh, where was I? 
through the route day. Oh, that's a word. It ends in X. Route de X. Route des Comercaux. I found myself in a different city every evening, with a legitimate reason for making contact with nightclub bosses to invite them to be listed in the leisure section of the RDC. So I, Xavier, sorry, Javier, was the ideal candidate. He's really well, I think he's like explaining to him the whole thing. Like he really wants them to think he's a super cool yeah, drug so, spy guy. I'm not a loser, mom. Yeah. Look at all the cool write stuff. your family letter and be like, hey, we're gonna be undercover or in if protection, you can't talk to us. Too. Like you like this is a lot of information. Yeah, exactly. I also I also like that he was like, I was like the best person for the job. <laughs> me a fifty year old. So once I was tested and briefed, I accepted my mission of working incognito for the DEA under the condition that I maintain secrecy, which includes, even more importantly, the children. This is not secrecy, though. So that's the real real reason why we returned to France instead of settling in Miami, and not due to vaccinations that are supposedly dangerous for the children. Those who have never swallowed this bogus reason can rest assured they were right. LOL. He's a fun guy. This has allowed us to build up our official business activity. The RDC and the and Cellref established especially to develop com alongside RDC so that nightclubs can feature in it and to have an unofficial monthly income since this official activity did not bring in enough money to cover our expenses far from it. So he's basically saying that company that was that we all believe is a scam um, was to cover his incognito business. Moreover, even with this cash boost we have experienced temporary financial difficulties from time to time as you all know. And we'd like to take this opportunity to once again thank Emmanuel and Bertram for who bailed us out in a timely manner by acting as our bankers. Everything has gone according to plan in the nightclubs for the last seven years, until now. With the information that I, Javier, have collected in this time, I have become a key witness in an upcoming trial involving major international drug trafficking kingpins. The trial will have to take place in the U.S. in the next few years. The date has not yet been determined. What complicates matters in this certain t- in is that certain tips have recently led us to believe that my cover may have been blown, and unfortunately, re- 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 I'm sorry, I'm trying to read this in such a fanatical, and I feel like he was very like, ah, ha about it, yeah. that I'm trying to read it as him, and I'm getting tongue-tied. Tongue-tied? Yes. And unfortunately, we received confirmation of this yesterday. Therefore, the situation has now become potentially dangerous for us here and has required us to take emergency measures. No. When I first went undercover, I accepted that I might be placed in the Federal Witness Protection Program. This is what we now have to do, and we're not doing it with any excitement, but because it's necessary and there's no way around it. Still with this letter? I wish we were. Oh my so, gosh. we have been taken into the protective custody of the U.S. government and transferred to the U.S., and we have new identities, which must, of course, be kept secret. 
By the time you read this letter, we will officially no longer exist as French citizens. Because they always let you send letters to all of your family before you go to witness protection telling them I'm going to be in witness protection. We will be Lambda U.S. citizens living in the U.S. like any other U.S. citizen. Except we will be forbidden from communicating with our family and friends for an undetermined period of time, at least until the trial is over. This gives us some advantages and disadvantages. Mm-hmm. And he makes a cute. He makes a nice little list for them. Oh, advantages. Dear God. Absolute safety. No reprisals for to fear. That was point A. Point B. The U.S. government is taking care of us financially. When? Part C. Living in the U.S. We can't tell you where, but the weather is warm most of the time, and the music is good. <laughs> L.A. I was thinking Nashville. Georgia. Disadvantages. Sudden, rushed departure in total secrecy without being able to put our affairs in order. No. No contact with you for a long time. Impossible to let everyone know all electronic communications had to cease immediately. The hardest thing. There is some tension with the children who couldn't tell their friends and are forbidden from using Facebook and other online networks. But it's okay. Really. They understand. They're so nice. We had to give up the dogs. Luckily, someone took both of them, so they won't be separated. We're relying on each of you to carry out the tasks that we have assigned you below. We hope we haven't asked too much of any of you. We know we can count on you. So then he has a little bit for Cedric, a much shorter bit for Bertrand, and Emmanuel, and Christine, and Bertram, and Frederick. So he gives everyone specific tasks? Yes. You don't have to read them all. We trapped you. Okay, so then he ends it with, Of course, we send all our love and are thinking of you very much during this enforced separation. Take good care of yourselves. We'll have so many stories to tell you later. So, that was it. That was his letter. Can you imagine getting a letter like that from like, I'd be like, daughter? oh my god, it's so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, on April 15th, the police returned to their home to conduct a more extensive investigation into the whereabouts. They only discovered that pictures were missing from their frames. Nothing else seemed suspicious, so they concluded that the family left on their own volition. Agnes's family continued to put pressure on the police, insisting that the family didn't simply leave. The police visited the family again on the 18th, the 19th, and the 20th. Each time, they didn't find anything suspicious. However. On the 21st of April, the police lieutenant noticed something odd under the terrace in the garden. That same day, the chief investigator held a press conference at the courthouse. He stated that the family's disappearance was, in fact, unusual and that they were going to open an investigation into the case. The press conference was stopped as he had to answer an urgent phone call. He was told at that time that while the police were digging under the terrace, they discovered large plastic trash bags that were bound with tape. Inside the bags were several bodies. They were wrapped in blankets and duvets and then tied up and put in the bags. So the first grave that they found had contained Agnès, Arthur, Benoit, and their dogs and a crucifix. So everyone, the crucifix, not Thomas. Thomas's body was found in a separate grave. Everyone was dressed in their pajamas. Javier's body was not found, and he became the prime suspect at this time. 
Later this day, Javier's car was found in the parking lot at that hotel by police. The autopsies were conducted on all the victims, obviously. The children had a drug in their system that is often found in sleeping pills. Each victim was killed by two bullets to the head. The bullets were extracted from the bodies and were found to be from a twenty-two long rifle. Due to the fact that everyone was wearing their pajamas, police believe the murders were executions committed while the victims slept in their beds. This was supported by the sleeping pills found in the children's systems, but they didn't find any drugs in Agnes's system. Well, come to find out, Agnes slept with a sleep apnea machine, Mm -hmm. which helped her sleep, and as Lacey knows, can be quite loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, He could have also just started with her. I feel like that would have been the smartest move. It was discovered that her machine was turned off at 3 a.m. on either April 3rd or April 5th. The sleep aids, be it pills or the machine, would help ensure that no one would be awakened in the middle of the massacre. Additionally, neighbors denied hearing any gunshots during that week, so a silencer may have been used. Or a pillow. Yes. I think you could, like, say it was a silencer if it silenced. When crime scene investigators began searching for clues in house, what they found was very strange. There was no trace of blood in any of the bedrooms, the living room, the foyer, or the bathrooms. Nothing was found on the walls, the furniture, or the floors. This was puzzling because a rifle is usually messy, and they know a rifle was used. So where's all the blood? CSI also found no fingerprints or DNA, so at this time they had no physical evidence connecting Javier to the murders. A receipt from a DIY store was found at the home. The store is located 200 miles from the home, around three and a half hours away. The receipt was dated to a Wednesday in late March. Several purchases were listed, including a roll of large trash bags and a box of adhesive plastic paving slabs. So, my thought is maybe he dextered it. Mm-hmm. And then that's the stuff he was loading into the truck. To get rid of the trash. It. Mm-hmm. There, um, not to, so there's, in the Oakland County Child Murderers. This comes after that, so people will know what you're talking yeah. about. There's. We just know. Mm-hmm. So, and there's, um, like, a suicide that looks sketchy in it, and it's with a rifle, too, and I'm pretty sure it's probably a twenty two. But there's. Was it? Oh, yeah. No. Um. Uh, like, based on the pictures, there's a very bad, like, lack of blood. So it's been, like, called into question, like, was it a suicide? Yeah. Um, and I think I saw somewhere that was, like, it could be determined that there was a lack of blood if the, like, skull didn't break. Rupture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking like, if too, the bullet didn't have an exit wound. You said lack of blood. There is no blood. Yeah. But if oh, he okay. did something like... So even pill- if he shot them... Yeah. And then... I mean, there should be, like, even if there's no blood splatter. You said that some didn't have bed sheets. Though. Right. If he put the pillow over their head and did it, then the blood would have all been contained in the sheets and the pillow. Mm-hmm. Go bury their bodies and then get rid of the bed stuff. I would think that that would... I'm and just, like, yeah. The suicide from my case, it's actually in bed, too. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, there's blood on the bed sheets, but there's, like, you would think that the, like, wall behind him would be mm-hmm. painted, and it's barren. My thing is that they were shot twice. That's true. So, like, you know how, like, the fir- they say the first hit is free if you yeah. hit somebody? Because the first one, 
there's no blood yet. Right. But if you hit him again, you're just smashing into the blood at that point. Mm-hmm. So there's blood splatter after this, the after the second hit. So my thing is that like maybe the first shot wouldn't have caused a lot of blood, but the second one, I just can't. I find it hard to believe that. Not there's hard no to believe. Blood. I just think it's odd that there's no blood. There's no DNA. There's no fingerprints. I think he dextered it, especially with everything he was buying in and the days. The time he had too. He also had time to clean up. He had days. Yeah. So like, who's to say? Like, maybe he didn't dexter. He just cleaned it so well. And maybe how? Like, maybe Thomas didn't know exactly what happened because Thomas didn't live with them. Yeah. He was like on campus. Well, but maybe he kind of, like, had a feeling. Like, yeah. he knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Anyway. To, um, Javier's friends came to his defense and pointed out that if he had killed his three sons, his, this would be him killing his late lineage. Lineage. Killing his lineage. For the French nobility in their aristocratic world, this would be, this would have been dreadful. There would be no one to carry on his name. Maybe his like lineage wasn't doing awesome anyway. Yeah. Maybe in like the 1800s. Yeah, like it's 2011. Dad died in poverty and left him nothing. It wasn't like he was some high-ranking official or anything crazy. So police theorized that after Thomas left to spend the weekend back at his Catholic university, when yes and the other children were murdered during the night of Sunday into Monday, they believed Thomas was murdered during the night of Tuesday into Wednesday, they suspect that Javier hesitated in killing Thomas because he was his eldest biological son and thus his heir. Mm-hmm. The family's funeral was held at St. F- F- St. Felix Church in Nantes. This is the church for the family. This is the church the family regularly attended and the one in which Benoit was an altar boy. 1400 people attended the the funeral and that's not converted. It's 1400 people. We do measure people differently. Mm-hmm. The bodies were cremated and the ashes were buried on Saturday, April 30th. That's Louis's birthday. Meanwhile, a manhunt got underway looking for Javier. The circumstantial evidence was immense. He had attempted to construct several alibis. He disappeared to southern France. He made several suspicious purchases. And he owned a twenty-two long rifle like that of the one used in the murders. So that was all the circumstantial evidence that caused them to be like, we need to find Javier. Mm-hmm. On the 29th of, of April, police searched the VAR department. On May 10th, an international arrest warrant was issued. On June 23rd, caving experts searched 40 natu- natural caves wow. in a 10-mile radius around that R city that he was last seen in. Yeah. Nothing was found. Ooh. On April 9th, 2013, a major search effort was conducted again. Investigators assisted by cave divers searched the old Pic Martin lead mines in Cant de Maurice in Var. It was here that Jacques Macy and his family were found murdered in 1981. So they were like, hey, people seem to be murdered there. Let's go check it out. On May 2nd, 2013, a search was carried out by 50 police officers and firefighters from a unit specializing in searching in dangerous and hard-to-access locations. The search, again, found nothing. So they were really kind of just like, maybe he's in the caves! Yeah. In 2015, bones were discovered close by at 
another city in VAR, near a camp nearby containing items marked 2010 and 2011. Investigators initially suspected that they found the remains of Javier, but eventually discovered they belonged to an unrelated male after DNA testing. In July 2015, a journalist in the Nantes city was sent a photograph of Arthur and Benoit Dupont de Lagones. On the back was written a simple note, I'm still alive. Okay. A raid on a monastery in 2019 also failed with a monk who bore a passing resemblance having been mistaken for the wanted man. The incident undoubtedly inspired by the frequent claims in newspapers that police fully backed the monastery theory. So, people were like, maybe he joined a monastery. Mm. On October 11th, 2019, Guy Joao, 69, was detained at Glasgow Airport after arriving from Paris, uh, airport in Paris, with his wife Mary. Fingerprints initially proved to be a partial match but a DNA test later confirmed the man detained was not Dupont de Legones. He was released after 26 hours in solitary confinement. So they were like, he looks like him and his fingerprints are kind of similar. Let's put him in solitary confinement for over a day and while we do DNA. In July 2020, this case was featured on Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries. According to an executive pro producer, the screening of the show generated more than 2,000 tips. One tip was from a couple in Chicago. They said that they had heard someone speaking French, and they believe the speaker bared a striking resemblance to Javier. So, as of right now, protection. we Stop still don't know where he is. And, um... That little, that, like, more recent stuff, people, like, it's still, people are still looking, yeah. people are still, like, mm -hmm. jumping to conclusions. What if he was telling the truth and he was just working for the DEA? So, I know what you're thinking. Why would Javier kill his whole family? As investigators began to look further into Javier's life, they discovered he did not lead the life he was pretending to lead. I'm shocked to hear In that. early 2000s, the family tried to relocate to Florida, but was unsuccessful. Oh but was unsuccessful and had to return to France. According to friends, from 2001 to 2011, Javier was in a downward spiral of failure. Start over. He had lost a great deal of money, had bailiffs on his back, and none of his companies were successful. Shortly before the murders, he, he discovered that they were almost out of money and would have to leave their home and face serious consequences. As a result, he would have been exposed as someone unsuccessful, which I think would have been very upsetting to him. Yes, because he's super cool. He was vain, proud, and would not have wanted to lose face. It is believed that he did not want his children to find out that he had no money. It was as if he was on a mission to save his children from finding out that their father... Um, did not lead the life that everyone thought he did and was basically a bum. Yeah. So, obviously, kill him. Yeah. I'll never know. I mean, what else would you do? Nothing. That's why, I mean, he was the only logical choice. Mm. What if he listens to our podcast? Leave a comment. But, like, so, make it sneaky. <laughs> based on, like, them tracking him, they believe that him going back to the southeast France was his, like, goodbye trip yeah. to his past life, and he was planning on starting over. 
because some of the areas he visited were places that he and Agnes lived during the first few years of their marriage, mm. and other places were where the children had been born. Mm. And the area where... So they believe that he may have killed himself, and that was like him going down memory lane. Mm. And he ended where he like first grew up. In many cases of familicide or family murder, the killer commits suicide near the scene of the crime, so maybe not. There's also no Why evidence feel so guilty about it. There is also no evidence that Javier used his credit cards again after April fourteenth slash fifteenth, and he did not rent any car or buy any plane ticket or train ticket under his name. Yet no remains have been found despite exhaustive searches. Perhaps Javier lives dead in an isolated... Not lives, lives dead. dead. He lies dead in an isolated cave or crevice in the mountains, but maybe not. Um, others believe that he is still alive, living under a new identity. He had some international court, like, acquaintances. And that letter that he wrote, maybe it was true. It's unlikely. That the DEA would be involved in murders, but the family questioned whether the bodies that were quickly cremated and they were not allowed to see were actually on yes and her children. I mean, if that's the case, I think it would be a lot of extra effort to pretend this guy killed his family left than to just actually yeah put them away to injection. I think that the family is kind of just hoping that the family is still living somewhere and Javier yeah. didn't do all this. And they were, they're suggesting that the DEA planted bodies. I was like, that's the family. Yeah. Um, some other strange things to take note of. The hole that the bodies and dogs were buried in was like, was likely to have been beyond the physical capabilities of one man who was said to have back problems. Maybe he had Thomas help him hide the body. Yeah. Five tons of earth were apparently dug out with a single shovel with only four feet of headroom, meaning because he was under. Yeah, I wonder how he did it under the porch. That seems. Meaning that work must have taken place while crouching. Despite the huge movement of soil, no trace was found in the garden, in which case the perpetrator would have had to use a tarpaulin displaced five tons so like a tarp mm -hmm. displaced five tons of earth by hand and left absolutely no trace of that earth furthermore javier's sister claims that javier had neck and back problems and would not have been physically capable of doing it. finally it is surmised that due to the low headroom the perpetrator would likely have both banged their head and rubbed their hair on the ceiling repeatedly but no human skin cells blood or dna was found under the deck. If he was planning on killing himself anyway, why would he go to all this trouble with hiding the bodies, cleaning the house of, every, of all evidence and everything? I feel like even if he wanted to leave and kill himself where he grew up, shoot your family, he, drive there, and do it. He could have also just, like, because, I mean, it's, it's Europe, so, like, just walk to another country. Yeah. Like, it'll be exhausting. So, like, the family's lawyer, she's actually, or he, Stefan um, is the lawyer of Genevieve, who is Javier's mom. Okay. He's also the lawyer of Christine, the brother, and Christine's husband. She 
this lawyer points out that there are several problems with this case against Javier. One, there's no definite time of death. And we don't know for sure who the victims are. Two, the only fact that the bodies share the same DNA. The only fact is that the, sh the bodies share the same DNA. No analysis has compared the common DNA with that of Agnes. Christine confirmed that the body's heights and weights do not correspond with the no known dimensions of the family mem members. And furthermore, could one man alone dig the hole that size under the patio? So that is all I have. So what do you guys think? First, do you think it is really the family? Yeah, it just seems... So here's the thing, a follow-up question. If it's not the family and some big conspiracy... conspiracy why would they be like, you know what, let's bury them in the least convenient place and do all this hunched over in four feet of space to bury them just to set up? Like, you could dig a hole in the fucking backyard and yeah. bury them and be like, oh, we found the family, let's quick cremate them. And, and if in that scenario, you'd want them to be found. Right. Yeah. If you don't, like, they were concealed under the porch. Mm -hmm. They were buried. That's two. They're... There was no trace found in the house. That's like a whole nother level of cleaning up. Yeah. I think that they weren't meant to be found for quite some time. Yeah. And... I think he thought he was gonna put out a better story than he did. It would take people longer to realize that family was... Yeah. For, for the whole, like, it's under his porch, right? Mm-hmm. Who's to say he didn't, like, start working on that, like, months in advance? Yeah, that's been something he And, like, have long all the kids they, help or they something. Have, like... Back in, um, like, a whole month before the murders, yeah. he was, like, buying rifle bullets and like, doing all this to stuff. to say he didn't prepare that before and have, like, the boys help him. Or, like, yeah. in January when he found out that his dad was leaving him, like, nothing yeah. except a title and a gun, he was like, okay, well, I owe a shit ton of money and I was really relying on the inheritance to pay all that back. And now I'm completely screwed. I don't want my family to find out that I've been a fraud. And then everybody else is going to find out that I'm a fraud and everyone's going to be pissed off at me. I'm just going to cut and run, start a new life somewhere else. And yep. yeah. that's it. Like, and he hid his family to give him the longest it also, chance of getting away. It's like, cause he took the time in the beginning to like get the gun, like practice and everything. Like looks very premeditated. Like, I don't think the DA yeah. would make sure that he did that. Yeah. If they were doing things across... I think the, the whole DA yeah. thing was bullshit. Like, he wanted just... to look it for it. I mean, if anything, they would be like... It would be like, I don't know, a country that gives us actual drugs, not France. <laughs> right. Hey, the France drug scene, like, in... The Especially night in the nightclubs. Oh, yeah. What, Colombia with cocaine? Yeah. That would be where I would see shit. France. Nobody's like, we gotta crack down on the drugs coming from France. I think it's impressive that he's managed to, I don't think he killed himself. I think it's impressive yeah. that he's managed to stay gone, considering he didn't take off 60 years ago. It was in 2011. Yeah. Well, but, I'm gonna know, post his picture on the Instagram, so take a look, oh. and if you see him, um, say something. If you see something, say something. To who? I don't know. Anybody. Anybody will listen. Send us. Then we can report him. We can I don't want to do that. That seems like negative. The DA. What's the DA? <laughs> You're right. They're informants on the loose. Be like, hey, your buddies. Yeah, you guys gotta rein him in. I feel like also if the DA was involved, why wouldn't they plant a body 
for Javier. Yeah. Like, it looked right. like the whole family was killed. Yeah. And why would they care about Thomas not Her being murdered at the same time? Yeah, do something totally crazy. Blow up the house. Yeah. And be like, oh, there was a gas Maybe leak not blow it up, but, like, set a fire. Yeah, something that makes it look like the whole family was wiped out in some tragedy. Yeah. It's, like, very... Not, like, some weird... Yeah. Or... Or why, like, hide the bodies at all? Just leave them in the beds yeah. with blood spatter and be like, oh, they were all shot in the face. You can't do... You can't it's not tell. that, like, I trust government agencies, but is the DEA really the one that's doing all this goofy conspiracy I don't stuff? think so. I think he's using that as a route. If they said CIA, I'd be like... I still maybe. would be like, why? I don't believe him. I don't believe any. No. I think he did it. He hit the bodies. I think maybe... I like that the whole being dug premeditated. And it's not especially under the porch. Like no one's gonna see. No one's you gonna doing see that. it. It's also not gonna look weird to your neighbors. When did he? When did he? When did he buy that shovel and that hoe? Remember? Right. Well, because the other like the and the other thing too is like if you're digging a hole in your backyard oh, first. When were they killed? That week. Okay, so they could have done it that week. Okay, but like. The the other thing too, if you're, you're digging a hole like in the middle of your backyard, you're obviously the neighbors are like no watching, paying yeah. attention. Like that's your wife might be weird. like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, where <laughs> like if you just do it on the porch, it and, looks like, like we can all fit in. Take breaks. Like, I, he didn't have to do it right when they died. My other thing is, um, though, what was with buying the lime and the cement? Lime would have to smell. Use it though. Oh. Mm-hmm. But, but what would about also break down the bodies too. That's so what I was like. like that's what I thought that. it would be. Yeah. Maybe um maybe he planned more with the cement. Maybe he was going to try to bury them and then do like cement on top. And of then he was and like, you know what, my back and neck were really killing yeah. me for me. And he was like, porch. maybe maybe people will find them sooner than I thought. You know what? I ought to just get out of here. Estelle has been talking to the police. She won't shut up about it. Estelle. Hmm. Uh, yeah, she's nosy. All right. Anything else? Sure. All right. How was my French? Excellent. Thank so you. It good. teetered off. I started like you got getting really impatient. Yeah. <laughs> you held on to it much longer than I would. Yeah. Thank you. Those cities are rough, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Bye, guys. Well, that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. Follow our Instagram at sinister underscore and underscore sarcastic for show updates. And we also post each episode with some photos.